This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 formula, 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. Visit athleticgreens.com slash nomad to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Nomad Athlete Radio. All right, Doug, I need some updates from you. You left okay. us all. You gave us the big teaser. or the, You got us titillated last week, <laughs> I think, during that, that great episode of ours about the uh, that article from the New York Times that we, we looked at. Yep, yep. We examined. <laughs> can't, 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 I'll never forget that one. <laughs> one of the best episodes we've ever done, no doubt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you told us that you were, that you, I think you had succeeded in, in, uh, Beginning an intermittent fasting habit. Oh yes. Okay. That, I wasn't sure what you were going to ask about. Well, it's I'm going. going. Ask it's uh, it's going Still strong, going. man. I, you know, it's uh, it, it the the end time for me every morning is is not like a set. You know, I, I have to go till noon or something like that. It's, but it's it's always around eleven thirty or noon or something like that that I'm that I'm having my first uh, my first food and. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's been super easy, and I feel great. Wow. And I think Good. I cut a little weight. I haven't weighed myself, but just, Ooh. you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm thinking, yeah. man, that guy looks good. <laughs> and, and what are you waiting for to weigh yourself? Is it, are you waiting until you're confident that there will be a, a loss, or are you just, just uh, on no, a scale? No, our scale has a, the batteries are dead in it. I actually pulled it out the other day to see. But. <laughs> so just haven't replaced the batteries yet. But, yeah. but you know, I, you know, it's uh, it, this was kind of one of those things that I didn't have like a big goal when I started. It just kind of naturally started, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's not like weight loss is is uh, it, it's not like this is tied to weight loss. So I kind of don't want to look because I kind of don't want to. Yeah. Right. Like spoil it. You know. That makes sense. All right. Maybe don't. Maybe don't look. Don't get the batteries. <laughs> But you know, I'm also, as, as you know, I think we've talked about this. I'm also doing quite a bit of kettlebell, not quite a bit. I'm doing some kettlebell work just about every day. <laughs> and uh, I'm in full on training mode doing long runs and everything like that ahead of a 50K in about a month, a month from today, yep. actually. Um, okay. And uh, I'm just, I'm feeling, I'm feeling healthier than I have in a year and a half. That is really good. There's, there's, there are very few feelings like that where you feel just good about what you're doing. Absolutely. So that's great. It's fun. We always are in the same, seems like we're on the same cycle here with how our fitness, we, uh, we both seem to go in and out of fitness together. Yeah. And, and now <laughs> and maybe we influence each other with the podcast. I know. I that's know. what I'm, I'm starting to wonder if that's uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, I do think that that's uh, it is somewhat related. Cause you know, you'll talk about kettlebells or something and it'll get me pumped and, and jazz to do it. And, and I'm sure that sometimes I influence you and uh I don't know. You know yeah. There probably is some correlation between our health that is maybe maybe not a healthy thing to have. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, I mean, the the podcast. It's I guess it's not strange that it would change my behavior. But like the uh, the Jeffrey Binney episode that we recently did, mm-hmm. where he came on, we my family and I watched his movie two nights after that or something. His documentary. And uh, we really, I don't know, everyone got inspired by that. And I've started running more since then and stuff. So it, it's funny. I don't know. I, I don't know why I think it's funny that the podcast actually influences my behavior. I mean, of course it should. But yeah. uh, for whatever reason, you know, it's work. So 
it's funny that it feels like it actually changed anything. All right. Well, that's good, Doug. Glad uh, you're doing that. And then I'm guessing since you didn't mention it, that you're not, you're not back into the pull-up routine. You're not greasing the groove with, with a, you know, two or three pull-ups every time you walk by the bar. I, I'm not. You're right about that. Although, uh, yeah, I got really nothing, nothing, nothing worth reporting. Oh, you don't <laughs> I did. I did. Um, we were at a, a playground the other day and uh, I was like, you know, I haven't, I haven't done, tried to pull up on a playground in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I did a little bit of a workout, and... a little bit of a pull up workout there, but uh, you know, really that, that was a one-off, not <laughs> nothing really to report. <laughs> okay. I had to knock some kids off of the jungle. Yeah. And then the, take yeah, off your shirt and start doing some pull-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> good. Well, that's good to hear. Um, how about you? Yeah, yeah you, you know, you're talking about fitness. Let's uh, let's hear an update. Similar, very very similar to you. I actually have just just today decided. Well, yesterday I decided. Today I began not intermittent fasting anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I've been doing it for a long time. Like I started this warrior diet thing. I think it was must have been six months ago. Uh, and I've been having a juice like around noon, a vegetable juice, just very not like a lot of sugar in it. Just you know, a little bit of carrot, celery, cucumber type stuff. Um, but I keep getting injured. I keep having little minor injuries with this kettlebell thing, which I've now been doing for nine months and I love it and I'm progressing. But like, I, I feel like since June, I've kind of, it's just been constantly like, I don't know, taking the weights, going down in weights a little bit to let an injury feel better. And then it gets better. And then something else pops up. And like, I just haven't really like made serious progress, even though I continue to do it the right amount of days, which now is three or four days a week. Um, so I've started to suspect that I am not eating enough food because this thing I was trying to do, because I, what I was trying to do is more than just intermittent fasting. It was, it was basically this warrior diet where you essentially fast all day long and just eat one really big meal in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with our schedules, like I just, we just don't have really big meals. There's just not times. And like, it's a lot of times we end up kind of eating, everyone's eating whatever we can find. And it's, I don't know, it's just not like huge feasts for dinner. So I realized like, I'm just not getting that many calories a lot of days. Uh, and now I'm trying to also, I've added running more into my routine with the kettlebell thing. And I was even doing these kettlebell snatches on off days, like a little, uh, interval kind of workout of snatches, which is actually a really fun exercise I've never done. It's like kind of a, I like these exercises that are kind of skill where you have to sort of learn to do it. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of weeks, you start to like feel like you're really improving at the exercise, not just your strength. Um, I don't know. I just, I just like that. And I was really into that, uh, and still am, but I felt like. I don't know, just doing more stuff now. I feel like I just need to eat more food. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to start eating breakfast again and lunch, but I'm just going to try to keep them like lighter meals, not get, not get carried away. Um, so anyway, for now, that's my plan. Uh, but I, so have you, have you heard about ripped calluses at all in the kettlebell stuff? Are you doing anything for calluses? I am developing not doing anything calluses? for calluses. I mean, developing calluses. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, so I like read all these cautionary tales about how you need to like care for your calluses, and you get a, hmm. I don't know, one of these devices that rubs them away after the shower, and hmm. you know you wear these gloves, and there's chalk, but you shouldn't use too much chalk because if you do, it can rip the calluses. I've never had a ripped callus in my life, and it sounds disgusting. Uh, but two days ago doing these new snatches in like nine months of the swings and, and get ups. I had no problems with cows or that, you know, developed calluses, but they weren't crazy and it was just fine. Uh, but these swings, because it's like a technique and I was now I know doing it wrong. Um, 
I was, I was like, somehow when, when you drop the kettlebell from up above your head, I was not like transferring it to my, yes, I'm sorry. Did I, did I not say snatches? You said sweet. Um, sorry. Snatches. Yes. So like you have to have kettlebell above your head at the finished position and then you Uh need to drop it back to basically swing it between your legs and then you put it up again. Um, but when you drop it, if you don't change your grip on it the right way, it ends up, it just puts a whole lot of force right on your calluses. And, uh, anyway, so I was was at the very end of like a good, I don't know, 20 minute interval workout. And then I just, I just felt something in my hand just go. (laughs) It was like a bloody mess of calluses. It was like peeled up. It just looked awful. Uh, so I, I clipped it off, bandaged it up, took two days off of anything like that. And, uh, it's actually healed up pretty nicely, but, but for, I don't know, two days, it was just like, it was just a very, I don't know, in a way, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of, kind of was proud to have like a ripped up hand. I was like, man, I'm I'm like hardcore now. (laughs) How how different is it than like a pops blister, like a big blister? Uh, it was, it was somehow deeper than that, I guess. Uh-huh. That's what I, I imagine. I yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And it's only, it's not like it's, it's not like it's a deep cut. It's only deeper because the callus, you know, thickens. So you have like this, this quarter inch mm-hmm. of skin that is like now off. Uh, and so it looks gross, but it's, it's really not that, I don't know. It's not, not as bad as it seems. It just costs you a few training days. That's whatever it says you need to avoid them. Um, but I feel like I'm a real kettlebell guy now that I've done it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, Yes, I've been doing that. I've been running, and you know what I've been doing with the running. So I, I've, I've for a couple of years realized that I just do not want to do slow running. It's just, it's just hard for me to do. But I've, I have this, uh, there's this language app called Pimsleur, which I've talked about before on here, mm-hmm. uh, where you kind of like it's like a conversation thing, and they keep prompting you and asking you questions, and you answer, and the, you, you act like you're in a conversation with somebody, but. It's, I never find time to do it unless I'm in the car because I'm not going to be in my house like doing conversation when anyone's around. But I realized on these slow runs, these runs where you're supposed to go slow and like the, always the most boring part for me is that you have to stay slow enough that you can carry on a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I realized if I listen to this thing and I do this thing, it automatically, first of all, I get, get this learning in and I get this time, feel like I'm progressing with that and that's wonderful. Yeah. And keeps me at the, running at the pace I need to run without being all that bored about it and not in my head about how much I just want to be done because instead I'm doing the Italian thing and it's like a perfect solution. So it's great. So now, now I'd love my, you know, 45 minute easy runs. I so love I'm it. back. Yeah. You're back. You're back, baby. <laughs> I don't know how, I mean, I don't have, I don't have that many. If I have 30 sessions of this thing left and then I'll be out of the exhausted, the Italian one, I suppose I could pick a new language. Yeah, uh, but but you know my motivation will will change once once it's all gone. By the time uh, you run that uh that hundred miler, you're gonna have you're gonna be like, <laughs> have ten languages under your belt. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. That's great. That's that's really fantastic. Yeah, it is good. I so I I don't know. I'm actually I'm actually enjoying the time running now, which is did not think I would say that ever again. So it's good. You know uh, what has been a bit of a game changer for me. So I have done, I would say over the last uh, six months, I've done maybe 85 to 90% of my, my trail runs in the dark, either early morning, you know, it's 530 mm-hmm. or after the kids go down. Mm-hmm. And um, the past couple of weeks, it's just been like Katie 
and I have worked out a, a, a different schedule that's letting me get out more during the day and certainly on the weekends do my long runs and things like that. And uh, it's just so much more, it's so much more fun running in the light. and and the reward of like getting to the top of a mountain and and being able to see something or 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 like you know like all these wildflowers and things that i didn't even know were there right um, you know that i've been running past for weeks so uh i'm feeling just uh, on top of the world with running right now as well so that's good (laughs) wow so the light light is a game changer (laughs) it is it is a bit of a game changer yep good well that's good to hear all good as we enter the fall and winter, good time to good time to be uh, feeling good about fitness because certainly that's that's the time when often I hit a lull anyway. Like a lot of people, it's just not mm-hmm. that exciting to go outside when it's when it's cold and rainy or snowy. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll sustain it. And yeah. well, we got we got we need to at least through the uh, the Spartan race. That's right, Golden Gate Class Trail Classic. In yep, late November. Yep, and so guess what? I I don't did I tell you this? that Aaron keeps falling? No. No, I don't think I did. So she, she historically falls like twice a year, just running roads, just like twice a year, so it's flat out be laying on the road having fallen wow. uh, while she runs. Like trips or just like? It, she, it's one, she has realized it is, it is one foot that catches on, especially on sidewalks, not so much on roads, but sometimes, but more often on sidewalks, if there's any like, you know, change in the, in the mm-hmm. uh, you know, height of it. Um, it's like one foot is just sort of lazy. Like it just doesn't dorsiflex the way you're supposed to. Um, and you know, it could be related to like a, a hip weakness or a hamstring tightness on the other leg. She's had different people kind of, you know, hypothesize what it is. Um, that actually, by the way, has prompted us to get out the, uh, the be- becoming a sep- supple leopard book by mm. Kelly Starrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've actually gotten way more into that than I've ever been before. That is, I've been trying to do that along with these little, these little injury tweaks I've had, um, mm. And, and it has gotten me to do more mobility stuff. So that's been a, a nice little blessing in disguise there. But anyway, um, she went for a trail run. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. Uh, she went for a trail run, 13-mile trail run on your, your plan, Ultra Marathon Roadmap, that she was going to get ready for the, the uh, Spartan 50K, her first ultra. Um, and she fell three times in a single 13-mile nice. run. Came home with, you know, all bloody legs and everything. Like, these are, like, big falls. She doesn't, she doesn't just fall, you know. Like a, mm-hmm. like a, I would fall and sort of roll and get up. She just has these spectacular falls where she just lays out Superman style. Uh, yeah, and and it's I feel terrible for her and she she comes home very upset, obviously, um, because it's it's traumatic and like she's you get to the point where you just can't trust that you're gonna be on your feet yeah. in a second. So then it makes the whole run just hard to do. And like even now, it's been several weeks since then. She said she still while she's running often just has these moments where she thinks she's falling. And it's almost like a, you know, PTSD sort of thing where like she just, oh. then her, her body just, you know, reacts and goes into stress mode. So that has, uh, she's kept the mileage up since then. She, she's did not break her running streak. Uh, she kept that going and she's even kept doing the long run. She may have missed one and moved it or something, but she, she did 18 miles this past weekend. Um, so she's still doing all that. Her legs are healed. Uh, but she just doesn't have any confidence running trails right now. Cause that, that obviously <laughs> more than sidewalks is a is a big fall yes so um yeah so i don't know if she's gonna do the 50k i don't even know if she's gonna do the half when we're out there uh unless she can figure this stuff out so we're trying now to Hmm. you know get exercises and ankle i mean she's identified that like she has a big lack of ankle mobility in the problem ankle uh 
and trying to do things that will sort of cue the dorsiflexion when you step. So a lot of things. And I said, like, get knee pads and, and hand pads, like those old rollerblade pads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, I would think that would give you a lot of confidence in that. Like if that, if you know, when you fall, you can hit on these things and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It will probably change the way you fall. And I don't know, not, not, not the perfect solution, but uh, a nice workaround. But I think, I think it's sort of been traumatic enough that even that doesn't seem very satisfactory to her. You know, she um, doesn't want to wear hand guards. I've always, uh, appreciated when i'm wearing a like a handheld bottle when i fall yeah i've heard people say that before mm-hmm. kind of breaks the fall right so she could just use one of those and just know to fall on that hand yeah or two yeah. i mean yeah. you know two like small ones right right and i'm sure there are there are some kind of lightweight knee pads you know not, not the big, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. construction uh-huh. knee pads but the catcher knee pads but <laughs> yeah <laughs> full out catcher gear just wears a full mask and everything <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that is a no, anyway, i'm really sorry to hear that it is because i was hoping to even do this 50k with her potentially and i don't think that's gonna happen so when all, all said and done it comes back to the fact that i don't get to run as far as i had to hope to uh, <laughs> so that's what it's really about okay all right uh, but no i do i hope i really hope she can she can find a way to salvage this 50k i would i would love for her to do that and i don't know but mm-hmm. anyway even if not she's doing she's still sticking to the mileage and she'll find something to do whether it's a road 50k or something, or uh, just another marathon, which which for her would be great. She hasn't done one, uh, I think, in something like ten years, so that would be good. So it's it's not a disaster, but just just a hurdle. There's always unexpected hurdles, Doug, in these right. endeavors. It is, always, you never know. Anyway, why don't you set up? the interview we have for the nice people. Yeah, so we're going to transition into uh, a fun interview that's just me and uh, and our guest. Um, is it an environment interview, Doug? Is that why the environmental correspondent was doing a solo interview? <laughs> no, this was a last-minute uh, change from Matt Tolman had a conflict and, uh, and, and wasn't able to do it, so he asked me to, to hop on the interview for him, uh, which is why this came up. You may know him as Dr. Plant-Based on, on Instagram. His real name is Mazmul Ahmad, who uh, is a fourth-year medical student who is really trying to change the game at his university or his uh, medical school um, when it comes to how uh, nutrition is taught in in med school because he is, as a plant-based person himself, has really uh, made it his goal to ensure that nutrition is a bigger part of, of how he practices medicine and is uh, trying to get that out. So it's, it's a really, it's an interesting conversation around uh, what's being taught in med school now and, uh, and how um, family doctors and family medicine practitioners can, uh, can use nutrition more as a prevention tool instead of just, uh, and, and for certain treatments, but instead of uh, having people come in and just, uh, only dealing with symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like I, I, for some reason when I think of this, I only think of like plant-based conferences because for whatever reason, this fact just gets passed around those conferences all the time. And it just, it's the, everyone at those just laments at the lunch and everything and how little, how few hours are required of, of med school uh, doctors in terms of nutrition, how little actual nutrition mm-hmm. they have and how, and for some reason, like no one ever talks about it except at these conferences at lunches when people are eating. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I, no one writes blog posts about this. I don't know. Just, you'll hear, you go to a conference, you hear speakers say it, then everyone talks about it and everyone just says what a tragedy it is. Uh, but no one actually ever proposed any solution. It's just sort of, this is, we just complain about this issue. So uh, 
very good that that uh, he's doing this work. But you know, people obviously, it's, it's, it's a big thing needs to be changed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a conversation I mean, that you know people need to be a little bit more aware of, and then hopefully we can seek out more doctors who are who are thinking this way. And so he's in med school, not yet a doctor, right? That's right. Yep, he's a med so he's, student. So he's squatting on the uh, the doctor plant based name, right? Yeah, he's, you know, he's snagged he, that Instagram account in a way that uh, you know I think is, uh, is <laughs> will serve him well in the future. Well, you know what? I got I got no meat athlete before I was no meat. I was still eating fish, but I decided I was going right. to do it, and I I picked it up and started blogging, put up some salmon recipes and tuna recipes. And didn't you know, think anything of it. Sometimes fish athlete just doesn't have the same ring. Same ring. No, too. it sure didn't. It sure did not. Uh, <laughs> here I am. Here you are. Yes. All right. So All right, with good. that, why don't we why don't we jump into the interview after we take a second to thank our sponsor? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 daily nutritional beverage. Everyone is raving about. Matt, it's always good yes. to get more greens. That's right. Greens are, are something that we often neglect. We uh, just, you know, sometimes they're just the first thing to go when you're, when you're looking at a big pile of pasta or something like that. The salad just looks a lot less appealing, huh? Exactly. Yeah. And it takes a little extra work to make, put together a salad, especially to make a side dish of greens when you've just cooked a dinner. Mm-hmm. It's just, just one night out of 10 do I actually say, I'm going to put the effort in and make that. Then you got to clean another pot and you know, it just, it just doesn't happen. It's not, it's not easy to get your greens. No, it's not, but it's important. And, and it's something that I have been using AG1 for regularly because uh, one tasty scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and a lot more. And, that, and they all work together to increase energy focus, aid with digestion, and support healthy immune system. And it actually tastes pretty darn good. You know, just mix it with water and, and you're good to go. While most nutritional products come, in, come to market and stay stagnant, AG1 continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, producing 53 improvements over the last decade and counting. They invest in the most absorbable and natural sources of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customer continues to receive the highest quality ingredients. And right now, Athletic Greens has got you covered for year-round immune support by offering our audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D plus five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit the link today, go to athleticgreens.com slash no meat. Join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters who are trying to get their daily dose of, of greens by visiting athleticgreens.com slash no meat and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. All right, with that, let's, uh, let's jump into this interview. Today, I am joined by Muzamil, who is maybe better known as Dr. Plant-Based on Instagram. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Doug. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, for joining. And um, I guess before we jump into questions, why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a fourth year medical student, but I have a variety of backgrounds. Um, I did my first degree bachelor's in business. So I actually used to work in oil and gas before switching to healthcare. And it just wasn't the right fit for me. I wanted to do something where I felt like I could help people and work with people. So 
went through a bit of self-discovery, uh, went backpacking around the world, and then I decided I wanted to switch into more healthcare. And uh, I've always been passionate about mental health. So I actually moved to the UK and did a master's in psychology. And uh, after that, um, I had been thinking about medical schools for a while, and that kind of just pushed me to take that plunge and apply. And I applied and got in at uh, University of Alberta in Canada. I'm from Canada. So that was my top choice. I was really fortunate. I've uh, been doing that for four years. I also have two certifications in nutrition. So I'm a nutrition coach on the side, um, help people lose weight, eat more plant-based, eat healthier, whatever their needs uh, may be. And I'm just really passionate about nutrition, health, wellness, and disease prevention. Great. So uh, let's see, in, in Canada, how, how long is a, is a medical studies? How, how long before you're, you're done with med school? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty much same as in the US. So you do four years of medical school, and then you are a doctor, then you decide what type of doctor you want to be. So I'm really passionate about family medicine, as that's the, that's the place you can do most uh, prevention in. So that would be two years of residency as uh, so your doctor, uh, but in training, and then after that, you can work for yourself. Great. Okay. So, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously a plant-based, you're, you're plant-based. So tell us a little bit about that story, how you, when you decided to go plant-based and and how that kind of factored into uh, your draw towards, towards medical um, intervention and and help. Yeah, for sure. So I have been interested in nutrition for a long time. Um, at the time, I didn't have nutrition background, so I was just trying to do whatever at the time I thought was best for my health. Um, the reason being is there's a lot of disease in my family. I've lost um, uncle in early 40s to cancer, my cousin in early 30s to cancer, my another cousin's um, son got cancer in at a very young age. So there's just unfortunately a lot of cancer and then also heart disease and diabetes. So I've just been exposed to disease at a young age quite a lot. And to me, that's always been shocking to how many people um, are these days are getting sick and uh, unfortunately um, either dying at an earlier age or just not well. And uh, that made me wanna just live healthier um, so I had switched to, I would say, more of a whole food diet, not plant-based. Uh, many years ago, I can't even remember, maybe five, six years ago, I was eating like grass-fed beef and organic chicken and all of that. But I still didn't feel my best, uh, even though I had, like, I haven't eaten at McDonald's, for example, in like forever, in probably <laughs> eight, nine years. Uh, but I still didn't feel well. I have had migraines all my life. It's something that I've seen a lot of neurologists about and been on various medications. And I was always told that it's genetics because my mom has it too. And then I also had terrible skin and it's like cystic acne, eczema, and then also just a lot of fatigue in general. And none of that made sense to me because I love being physically active and eat or ate what I thought was extremely healthy for me. But I was just eating a very, very protein heavy diet because um, I'm really into uh, fitness. And uh, I just still did not, like, even though, like I said, it was whole food diet, I didn't feel the best. 
And then first year of medical school, I was attending a cardiology lecture. And uh, I remember the cardiologist going, um, by the age of 10, children in Canada have plaques in their arteries. And I was just mm. called at that statement. I was like, like, is that normal? Is that something um, like around the world that children at, by age of 10 get plaques in their arteries? Like, you know, there was no explanation. There was no how we can help prevent that. It was a very much so state of fact that was given to us. And then later he moved on and said, look at the person to your right, look at the person to your left. You have looked at two of your friends. One of them is going to get heart disease in their lifetime because 50% of Canadians get heart disease. Mm -hmm. And once again, it was said in such a matter of fact. And I was just shocked. I was like, okay, um, you're telling me these really scary facts, but you're not telling me how to prevent it, how to change it. Is it common around the world? Like, give me something more. Um, but he had just jumped into discussing like treatment options, pharmaceutical options, surgical options for cardiovascular disease. And that was, I would say that lecture was my breaking point. Cause like I said, there was a family factor. Then there was my personal health factor. And now in med school where I thought I was going to learn more so about disease prevention, I was learning facts, uh, without knowing how to do anything about it. And I, my frustration just built up and I decided that it was time for me to start looking into things myself. So this is near the beginning of med school. And uh, I started looking at um, like scientific journal articles, uh, more on nutrition and disease prevention, and just over and over and over, same thing kept coming up. Reduce your saturated fat intake, reduce your animal protein, reduce all, like, the things that I was eating a lot of, because I was eating a lot of animal protein and just increase your legumes. And at the time I was eating maybe beans or lentils and stuff like once a week. Um, so when I started reading that and then I came across the blue zones and just, it just, it was like a domino effect. I just kept reading more and more. And I realized that even though I thought I was eating healthy, there was still a huge uh, place for improvement. And then I decided to go uh, whole food plant-based for health at the time. Um, like now I'm a vegan for ethical and sustainable reasons as well. But at the time I went purely for health I haven't had migraines in about three years. Um, I don't. I don't feel fatigued. I have so much more energy. My skin completely cleared up. No acne. No eczema, and I just feel so much better. And that's why I'm really passionate about sharing this with other people. Yeah, I think that I think there's a common criticism, at least with within the American medical field, but I think it's probably globally of, of a of a concentration on on. Uh, treatment and and not so mm -hmm. much uh, prevention, like you were saying. You know how how has um, you know that was early on in your studies. How has has anything in that conversation changed? I guess over the last couple of years. You know, especially if you're kind of coming into it more of a from a prevention standpoint. Yeah, um, <clears throat> they do in medical school put emphasis on like physical activity and uh, now they're starting to add things like meditation and more about mental health nutrition still seems to be a place where there's a huge gap the the things they teach are extremely basic and not that helpful they'll go over macros but let's be honest uh, when we're talking to patients um they don't care about macros they want to know what to eat and what not to eat so the focus is, on nutrition is still not where it needs to be. And I've been creating that dialogue at, at my school quite a lot more now. I founded the Plant-Based Nutrition Club on campus. 
um, and we were able to bring in um, different people who have a lot of knowledge in this just to do some talks. So like Brenda Davis, uh, Dr. Michael Clapper, other dietitians, and, uh, and that's been able to raise more awareness. And I have also been having a lot of conversations with people um, like staff and faculty members about this, trying to raise awareness because we were being taught um, still are, but there's been a lot of changes that have been made, but we have been taught that are simply outdated things or um, just completely false. Like I know in the psychiatry lecture, it was mentioned that vegans tend to have more mental health problems, but there was no, no real scientific basis for that. So I, I had to take it up to the dean and I'm like, this needs to be removed. Um, instead, what we need to be adding is eating more plants, help with your mental health. So I had to go through that. And then the psychiatrist took that out of the lecture and then added what I had recommended, which is what the science is showing that more plants, uh, more antioxidants, lower inflammation, better for your brain and mental health. Um, so things like that, like they were big on dairy and uh, also had to fight that as well. Um, and now things are changing. Uh, people are becoming more and more aware, especially since I started my Instagram account uh, and uh, the podcast as well a lot of faculty members have uh, come across my work and now they're becoming more and more open and asking me to help them uh, create change. So I've been working with them to just get more nutrition and I'm not the only one, uh, there are a couple other people who are also helping with that and doing their best as well. So we're trying to create change that we really need in the medical curriculum. That's, I mean, that's incredible. It's really great that, that uh, you're able to bring that those types of changes into the classroom. So it sounds like faculty has been generally fairly accepting of, uh, of that conversation, at least. Not always. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just really persistent. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there've been times when they either showed zero interest or um, uh, they just completely disagreed, but I always come prepared with a lot of scientific articles to show and uh, not, willing to take a simple no. And then once they look into things, um, I would say, because the you know, medical community tends to be very evidence-based. So if you can show them the evidence that they haven't come across, um, a lot of them are open to it. And that's been my experience that initially a lot of them just don't have interest in nutrition. That's the biggest problem that why nutrition isn't taught is one, majority of these doctors don't have training in nutrition, so they don't feel comfortable teaching it. Two, they don't have interest in it because most of them don't eat well themselves. And it's hard to teach something when it goes against your own behaviors. It's the same way many doctors used to smoke in the past. They weren't going to tell people to stop smoking. It would just create too much cognitive dissonance. And I feel like that's very common among nutrition as well, that I know a lot of people like will blame pharmaceutical companies and things like that, which does play somewhat of a role. But from my personal experience, a lot of it has to do with cognitive dissonance and lack of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. You know, but it's just one of those things that it seems like a doctor doesn't have to preach a plant-based diet to mm -hmm. preach, preach plants, you know, <laughs> to, yeah, to preach absolutely. the power of plants, you know, and, and, uh, and it, it, it is, you know, it is kind of frustrating that, uh, that nutrition isn't, um, doesn't play a bigger role. So I guess, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about going into family, family, medicine, um, you know, what, where do you see nutrition playing a role as, as how you interact with, with your patients? Well, I see nutrition being the foundation of uh, every conversation. Um, it plays 
a huge role and for many, many chronic lifestyle diseases, the largest role. So the way I foresee my future practice, I want it to be very multidisciplinary, working with different um, doctors of different types, as well as different healthcare professionals outside of medicine, like dietitian, nutritionists, psychologists, kinesiologists, and things like that. So we can work together in a team, um, but nutrition to be a huge foundation of that conversation. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these people that come in, um, when I talk to them in, you know, during my clerkship, when I'm seeing patients in the hospital or clinics, a lot of the, a lot of the problems they're having originated from the way they were eating for decades. Um, So this is where I want to have that conversation with them early on. And I do think a lot of people are open to it. It really depends on how you go about that conversation. You have to be extremely non-judgmental. That's a huge thing. You have to do it in steps. Um, you, You can't expect change from a first conversation. This is where motivational interviewing um, comes in extremely handy because I have a master's in psychology. So that's a huge thing I, I, I learned and then that I try to utilize is motivating people to make change over the course of the time. A lot, like I'm a bit different. I make change really quickly, but I understand that's not how most people work. So this is where having more frequent uh, follow-ups and keeping that dialogue going and asking them what changes have they been able to make and where they're at right now and what are they able to do and how you can support them is huge. If you ask someone to go from zero to 100, um, it's extremely hard for most people to do it and they end up doing nothing. So my motto is always do anything you're willing to do, just take a step, whatever that step is, and let me help you with that step. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the health argument for the plant-based diet, well, maybe the best argument, <laughs> is, is really hard for uh, for a lot of I don't know. It's a hard motivator for people because, you know, it's, it's going plant-based or, or even mostly plant-based um, is a huge lifestyle shift for shift for so many people. And uh, you know, without the motivation of, of, you know, the ethical reasons or um, performance or the environment or whatever you're like into, I think that a lot of people, yeah, they know that eating healthier is, is good for you and eating more plants is good for you, but it's hard to do that when, uh, when you're craving McDonald's or, or whatever. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I've always, that's what I've always found. And so I imagine like in the medical field, um, you know, people are looking for that quick fix, that pill or whatever, that's going to make them feel better and don't want to make that, that big shift, but that is so critically important. It is so, you know, obviously that's, that's the way people are really going to become healthy as those lifestyles changes. And do you have absolutely talked a little bit about some tricks, but you know, like what, what do you think are the, like the biggest challenges in, in, in helping people understand the, uh, the health side of the plant-based diet? Yeah. um, I think the biggest challenge is when people, when doctors especially are giving this advice, they give it extremely, vague advice and don't go deep enough and Mm -hmm. from my experience people like that understanding if they are becoming pre-diabetic just telling them hey stop eating xyz um just doesn't cut it from 99% of people but if you take the time and you're like hey this is what you're eating this is how it works in your body this is a bit of like you know give them a general understanding of the mechanism of how that works and if you were to switch this is what would happen and and you don't have to go all the way just today. Let me help you. From my personal experience of working with uh, patients, 
as well as like in the medical setting setting as well as as a nutrition coach is that that understanding does help people make change versus giving them just vague advice. So mm-hmm. that's what I've taught a lot of. It's interesting because I'm a medical student, but I've worked with so many doctors and then once they learn how a nutrition certification, they actually ask me to teach them about things. And I'm like, before I teach you about the knowledge, I want to, I want you to know how to talk to patients about this because I like, I can help you with the knowledge piece, but if you don't know how to deliver that, most of the times patients are not going to make change and, uh, and taking that time to help them understand and answering their questions. I have personally noticed to make a big difference. And then the constant and not constant, sorry, like more of a continuous follow-up helps a lot too. And I know you refer to more of the ethical side of it and sustainable uh, sustainability piece of it. Those two are extremely important, but this from my personal experience, until you break that barrier for a lot of people about the health aspect of it, they sometimes don't want to even talk about the other two because if they genuinely believe that animal products are required to be healthy or if they are into fitness, which I am as well. So I come across a lot of fitness people. Um, if they genuinely believe they need meat or whey protein to build their muscle mass, you can tell them about the ethical piece, but they're going to have barrier and they're not going to be willing to fully grasp that until you break that barrier. And you're like, Hey, you can build muscle without the meat or without whey protein, or you can live a long, healthy life without this and still, and be, and make a more of a sustainable choice here. So from just from what I've noticed is breaking those barriers can be really helpful. And then if the patient now seems more open, I, I have zero problem recommending to them, hey, by the way, if you're interested, go watch Seaspiracy. Because in my, <laughs> in my uh, perspective, environmental health, planetary health plays a direct role in human health. So as doctors, we should also be talking about that because just talking about individual health isn't enough because if individual choices are impacting planetary health, which then is impacting individual health, then we need to be also talking about that. So I have actually recommended a lot of these documentaries to many patients. And a lot of them are like, oh, now I feel more comfortable going vegan or mostly vegan because I know that I'll be healthy and now I can make better environmental or ethical choices. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's probably great advice for you know, non-doctors who maybe are just speaking to their parents or their friends or something mm-hmm. like that who are dealing with uh, medical conditions or, or, or trying to, uh, you know, have some preconditions that they're trying to, uh, you know, get on top of before they become full-fledged conditions. Absolutely. Uh, well, this was great. I, you know, I apologize for kind of cutting it short here, but um, I really appreciate you coming on and it's, it's inspiring to know that uh, you're out there kind of shaping curriculum for, and, and also, you know, I mean, I think that there's this new wave of, of young doctors who are coming in and uh, with a different mindset of what being a doctor, a medical doctor can be and, and, um, and how to help patients. And, and um, you know, I'm just, I'm thrilled by that. I think that the, the plant-based medical doctor community is, is growing by the day. And, and um, I really appreciate the work you do on Instagram and uh, the work you will do with your patients. And, um, and thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You know, the, your podcast is an amazing way for people to learn how they can be vegan, can be fit, healthy. So w- the work you guys are doing is also phenomenal. Um, and if anyone wants to connect with me, they can find my Instagram dr.plantbased. And I also have a website with the same name, drplantbased.ca, where I post a lot about health, um, nutrition, and I also have a free 
plant-based nutrition transition guide because a lot of people just don't know where to start. So they can also download that just to uh, start taking first steps towards eating a more healthy plant-based diet. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, everyone, I checked out your website um, very recently, a couple of days ago, and and, uh, and it's awesome. It's really incredible resource. So thank you. Uh, thank you again. And um, we hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care.